0: You are now listening to AHIC Talks, Episode 4. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast for the African and Arabian Hospitality Investment Conference that is coming up in September. I'd like to introduce today... Michael Grove, the Chief Operating Officer at HotStats. Welcome, Michael.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure. Now, first of all, for those that don't know, tell us a bit about HotStats.
1: Okay, HotStats, we're a global data provider and we collect profit and loss data from hotels all around the world. We offer that in uh, back to the industry in the way of benchmarking and market insight. So to market level uh, reporting, understanding profitability of different markets. But because we collect the full profit and loss data, it means that It can be utilised for many different purposes in benchmarking also, so uh, various uh, revenue lines and, uh, and cost lines also. Our focus is very much around comparability because, of course, the main challenge of it being profit data means that. We need to be able to make sure that we put everything in the same buckets in order to make sure that it's comparable and really being able to utilise or extend that to the, the kind of most granular level of data, which hopefully we can talk about a little bit later. But um, we're launching our new website, and that's very much the, the kind of idea behind the new platform.
0: Now, you've, as an organisation, have released your Profit Matters review for 2020, obviously a massively transformational year for the industry tell us a bit about the report what it aims to achieve
1: the annual report is something we've been doing for for some time um Mm. seven years um the we call it the profit matters report uh, the idea that we would track markets around the world um offer some insight from a top and bottom line point of view as to what the the various stories are emerging from the industry for 2020 it was actually we we changed it around a little bit and focused more on the the stories themselves from a macro level from around the world because there was a there was a emerging patterns for sure um, that we would see from from right around the world and then home in on certain markets under each one of those stories. But the idea of it's a you know, it's an end of year wrap up. We give mm-hmm. share some of the, the the commonality, the common stories from around the world, allow people to get a snippet of regional context. So I think if you're if you're sat there as a hotelier and you are an owner or a stakeholder and you want to understand what's going on outside of the hotel that you're the asset you're looking after. Of course, this allows you to be able to do it, and of course, more than anything, show off the data that we have. You yeah. know, show off the the granularity of the of the data that we have at our disposal.
0: What does the report really have to say on on 2020?
1: Well, to begin with, it, it kind of confirms uh, exactly what you said. It was, uh, of course, an awful year for the mm-hmm. hotel industry for many different reasons. I think the you know the key stories are the likes of, for instance, key cities uh, faring a lot worse than um, than the the kind of secondary and tertiary market, the coastal city resort locations doing a lot better. You can see that different parts of the world have been able to handle the drop in demand in different ways, whether that's being government subsidies or you know due to the the kind of expat locations not being able to handle things in the same way that you know, for instance, somewhere like Europe or more advanced markets like the U.S., uh, where there's a lot of variety even in Just one country. I think that it's been able to kind of see the context from around the world, learn from you know different things that have happened, and understand why the data is also difficult to compare from region Mm -hmm. to region in its entirety. We really need to understand the detail of it. Uh, And I think the biggest one that people have mostly been interested in is you know this was not about how quickly we can recover to prior year levels. This has been how can we become profitable? You know how can we just stay above the the red as it is. And I think that has been, you know, very interesting to track from different areas around the world, what is coming up the other side of the, the crisis, you know, how have the the cost bases of hotels changed, the revenue mix has changed. And one thing we saw quite evidently, certainly from places like China, um, actually UAE in certain circumstances as well, um, you know, returning quicker from a top line point of view. And therefore, we can see the output of their their cost base, the change in cost base and how how things have moved there. So payroll uh, certainly being one. Uh, in Europe, it's been difficult to monitor because of the, the government subsidies. But if you look from around the world, there's an organic change. There are, you know, the, as, as hotel business models have reset, hotels have closed. When they've reopened, they have reopened differently. Different cost base and a different focus from a top line point of
0: view. What now are some of the key areas of operations that a hotelier should focus on
1: I mean, of course, depends very much asset by asset and region by region. It's you know not not trying to worm out of that um, that question, but I think it is it is quite it's quite difficult to say from for each specific uh, type of asset. I think everyone will appreciate that. I think in a general view, twenty twenty was almost I mean around the world it was very much rooms because that was really the only demand that was around. You know, the as social distancing took play in the CMB. In spas and leisure facilities, you know, much of the outlets have either closed completely or have become, you know, uh, much uh, much more reduced in capacity. It was very much around rooms, and I think that is something that the industry generally pretty good at anyway, um, because that's what we've always focused on. But actually, if you look at the prior crisis levels, you know, take the Middle East uh, as a as a great example of it. Really, in two, in two thousand and nineteen and before, the Middle East revenue mix was fifty eight percent rooms so there was still a huge amount of the of the you know the the rest of the hotel um, yeah. to be focused on and and, and to be considered Um, And I think coming back out of the other end of this crisis now is that I think that's become a thing. I think we are total revenue management. We're thinking differently. We can't just copy and paste what happened last year and, you know, tweak our strategy. We need a whole new strategy. So I think that Trev Par and and monitoring Mm -hmm. things from a holistic approach is definitely something considering the cost side of things. But I think the other massive one is going to be the people. It's going to be. You know, you're going to need to attract guests and differentiate yourselves to, to be able to attract different types of guests, And the same with staffing, we've lost a lot of talent from the industry. And I think as we try to go get those back into the industry, you're going to need to be able to differentiate yourself as an employer as well. It's been tough times right around the board and people have had to make difficult decisions. So, um, we're going to have to convince people that hospitality is still very much a place to build a career. And I think that is in, in all of our hands
0: attraction of the industry as a uh, an employer is a is going to be a very interesting one over the next few years and and this is one which is close to my heart too events you you've recently also done a look at the mice the mice industry for for hotels what what is the the outcome of of that report what's the potential for the return of events
1: well i think we're all it's very much in the hands of you know the virus right now and how things are going to Move going forward you know the various vaccination programs are looking quite positive um, and it's allowed for certain markets to be able to move ahead you know we're all planning I think I've got six or seven events now uh, in the second half of this year that are almost confirmed to, to happen as things stand so I think things are starting to open up we're seeing pilot events in the UK of course events you've already been able to hold in the Middle East and in the Asia Pacific yeah. and I'm seeing you know the the, the football fans going back into stadiums, it's quite exciting for me as a football <laughs> fan, it's a good example of it. Um, I think there's the, the challenge is going to be the locations you've you've already seen talking was keeping on the football theme you know from yesterday they announced that the Champions League final won't happen in Istanbul it'll happen in London now and of course as great as that is for London it's awful for Istanbul but of course that's very much based on you know on the, the, the need for fans to be able to travel for the fact that you know Istanbul's seen a rise in cases and London has seen a drop in cases so there is a lot of kind of these things that I think it'll be quite unpredictable from where these things will happen but certainly there's pent-up demand and I think that word has been used a lot but let's be specific about it if you look at weddings as a good example if you want to hold a big wedding and you've not been able to hold the wedding in 2020 or even for much of 2021 now those weddings still need to happen and 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 much of that has not happened. It's been it's been held off until they can they can hold these events. So I think the you know, the the social side of things, there will be a lot of pent-up demand. Um we're all eager to go and you know and meet again. There's a reason why we're still traveling to do these events this year because there's there is still a lot of gold in being able to meet people and you know and actually be there in person. I just think that the impact of social distancing is still gonna be, you know, for a little while. I think we're we're gonna still feel the impact of that. And I think the other key bit is that, you know, in some ways, the the emergence of hybrid events has meant that you're often you're you're even talking to wider audiences. The event mm. itself is supplemented by the ability to be able to to reach out not just live, um, uh, not just the live event, but also the run up to the event, the marketing and um, and and the other side of the event. People are still going to want to if they can't travel for whatever reason, you're still going to be able to, to offer them something. Um, and I think that is, you know, is seriously an opportunity. But with regards to the return of events, we are already seeing them, aren't we? So I think yeah. it's uh, it's very positive right now.
0: The response to the event that we're putting on in, in Dubai in September has been fantastic. Obviously, there's still a little bit of uncertainty. And, and um, you know, that can be from individuals in certain markets looking at traveling to Dubai through to us as the event host going, we hope nothing derails it, you know, or, or, or that sort of thing. But the, the, the need to, to get together is obviously pretty apparent. But I, I tend to agree. I think that will remain. The interesting digital world that we've seen over the last year gives us a huge chance to sort of market and have opportunities of bringing others who necessarily wouldn't have made it as well. So there's a secondary market. That's um, alongside these these
1: in-person events. Yeah, and I think you guys again have, have kind of seen that opportunity, and I think that is is definitely something that going forward, conference venues and you know hotel operators will will need to consider, and I know in some ways are already considering, you know, investing in those areas, investing in IT, you know, and in in the ability to be able to to hold different type of events, or yeah. or could be, you know. Partly a new world for, for many people. I think it's going to be it's going to be key. But of course, the data side of it again. You know, you're not, you're not going to be surprised to hear me. Although I'm a hotelier at That's heart, the data side of that is also you know very interesting, isn't it? Because you can you can track things and and yeah. you know you can you can feed people what they want um, in a better way than you could um, maybe before the crisis.
0: Yeah, to go, going through the back to the report um, and looking at the the Middle East and Africa performance how would you define the sort of winners and losers of it all after the, the year we
1: had it's it's a real challenge in some ways because we actually the middle east or well, and, and africa started well so that the first quarter was you know the first uplift um on a in the in the first quarter for some time um we've been on a downward um a downward road for some for some time as a region uh, since since kind of yeah. 2000, 2014 so It it was actually a very positive start to the year, I I remember presenting in in Sharjah actually in February last year, and numbers you know, the the year had started well, it finished well the prior year, and uh, there was a lot of positivity, and that is not just in the Middle East, that was, you know, around the world, we were seeing a a decent uplift. And of course, you know, that those three months, uh, or two and a half months were very much, you know, dampened quite quickly by the the inability for people to be able to travel from the likes of China, and of course the lack of confidence that quite well, the confidence that kind of quite quickly diminished. So, the Middle East as a region ended up around eighty percent back in profits on prior year. So, all wasn't lost, but again, much of that came from the first quarter where where it was it was quite uh, you know, quite uh, quite profitable. Also, knowing that the first quarter is a very you know strong month in the Middle East as well because of the you know just just entering into the uh, just before the summer. But then as you look at the likes of um, Doha, for instance, as a market or, and Qatar in general, you know, very quite did quite well right the way through the crisis mm-hmm. uh, managed to maintain a GOP par for the year of, of $40. Um, so very much stayed profitable. I think most of the world would definitely have bitten your hand off for, the, for that kind of uh, number. For comparison, Dubai, for instance, and Riyadh uh, finished the year on $25. They've stayed profitable, uh, but much of that was driven through the the first quarter and the last quarter of the year um where things started to to move quite quite nicely i think the other thing to consider and, and again homing in on the uae is that for the first time in some time the secondary emirates you know outside of dubai and abu dhabi mm. were, were actually outperforming the the key city from a profitability point of view and in fact in the summer months because of the way that you know they, they, they were forced into to either closing or totally scaling down the model they were more profitable than the year before. So they actually, you know, the the, the the few dollars that they managed to achieve in profitability or even a small loss, not forgetting many hotels in the Middle East lose money during the um, during the summer months. And um, it, it meant that they were able to actually pull back costs in a way they probably would never have considered doing before. So there, there was a slight <laughs> bit of a positive I could throw in there, um, but I guess that was it. And of course, the speed in which the likes of Dubai and Abu Dhabi bounced back, um, I think, is is. Pretty impressive, and I think it's been it's been quite well handled there in the in you know in the, the level of pragmatism and the ability to hold some type of business there. Yeah. You know, hotels are currently running at a cap of seventy percent occupancy, um, and then where you're, you're seeing in in many locations in Dubai right now, they are running at, actually at seventy percent occupancy. They're having to turn people away because they don't have you know they can't use the extra bedrooms, but at yeah. least they can offer it at seventy percent. And I think that's um, you know that that's certainly a, a better middle ground. The downside is, is that, you know, you do have markets like Muscat, like Amman, where, you know, the the cost base is high and the demand was very, very low. And I'm talking at, you know, European level low. So it has been a real challenge for many markets. I think we shouldn't forget that by talking about the, you know, about the strong market.
0: No, no, fair enough. And um, I suppose, um, finally, um, I'll throw throw one at you. Are there any sort of trends that you're seeing now that you would say this is it's going to shape the industry for the next year or two?
1: So if I could think of any of them that is kind of, I guess, in some ways, quite boring to talk about, but it has been very much a trend is it is, is this eating into the fixed cost base of hotels. I think that the ability to be able to break even at a lower point than, yeah. than we were able to the prior year um, means that during ramp up now, you know, some for instance, at the macro level, the Middle East has seen thirty percent um, change in uh, admin and general costs. You know that is very significant. significant. And, you know, and that that what we are starting to see there is that eating into those fixed costs that were just you know there for years and years. And of course, we understand the the levels of of uh, undistributed uh, costs in the Middle East are higher than than they are in Europe and in the U.S. and and around the world. So there was more meat on the bone for mm. for those hotels um, to be able to to shared i guess but here we're starting to see now that you know higher uh, lower break-even point uh, from an occupancy point of view with a lower average rate in the current form and most of that is coming from from being able to eat into the fixed costs which was really necessary a total reset yeah. of the kind of you know the way we bu- we budget and and build a strategy
0: stay lean
1: well stay lean stay in context i think that's the key one is that you can't revenue manage like you used to you can't just take last year so how things are currently working of course that segues quite nicely into what you know into what we do but also many other providers there are you know data is everywhere and in order to make good decisions at a time like this where you last year is is out the window and the budget is you know is, is is almost useless right now um is really staying live and following you know whether that is the you know the guest scoring the 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 online performance the you know obviously course profitability as we do ultimately um you know there are lots of other uh, lots of there's lots of data in the market and i think Mm -hmm. we need to invest in it as an industry because we're not that good at utilizing data to to make proper decisions
0: and on that note um i'd like to say thank you to you michael for joining us today obviously if any of the uh listeners uh would like to get their hands on the profit matters review then drop me a line and uh for everyone else i hope to see you with with michael as well because he'll be there too. see you in um, in dubai in september and and thanks again michael
1: thank you thank you all